Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is Tuesday, the 20th of June, 2023. I'm Carmen LaBerge. Welcome to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. It's wonderful to spend this time together with you. Thank you so much for the privilege of um, of your presence and, uh, and the gift of this time together. So today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Where in the Word are you today? always encourage you to be in the Word of God before you get out there into the world that God so loves. Um, we want to be walking our faith out into that world in ways that honor Jesus. So we prepare for that um, by spending time with the Father and, and in His Word. So John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So friend, what does it mean to remain? What does it mean to remain within or remain behind or remain in something or to remain somewhere? The remains of the day. Like, what what does it mean? To remain is to endure or to uh, abide. You, You probably could read this passage. Abide in me and I will abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you abide in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abiding, persisting, stay put, stay put, stay right where you are. Um, Keep, be kept by, to remain in. To remain is also to um, stay in the place that you've been uh, occupying. Like, you know, he remained by her side when all others fled. Um, to remain is to continue to possess a particular quality. So, you know, she remained alert. And to remain is also to fulfill a particular role. So they remained uh, steadfast or faithful to one another throughout it all, like to, to remain in a posture. So what does it mean to remain in relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Because that's really what Jesus is talking about here. What does it mean to remain in proximity to Christ throughout your day and throughout your night? What does it mean to remain in Christ, to abide in Christ, to be kept by Christ, to occupy Christ, to remain Christ-like, to remain as a disciple of Christ through every moment and every breath? Like that's, that's what Jesus is talking about here. It's not a part-time relationship. It's not a 
you know, well, come to Jesus when you need something or have Jesus come along with you when you need him to, you know, do something or protect you. From, no, no, this is this is ongoing symbiotic relationship here to remain in Jesus. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Um, apart from me, like a branch severed from the vine, you can do nothing. So we're also provoked here to ask the question, what am I attempting to do apart from Christ? What am I attempting to do on my own or in my own power or through my own self-will? What am I attempting to grow apart from Christ? What am I attempting um, to do apart from Christ? Am I attempting to grow an identity or grow a relationship or grow a business or a family apart from Christ? Well, how's that going? How's that going? And when Jesus speaks of himself as a vine and his disciples as the branches, he's drawing upon an image that the Jews around him would have known well, um, not only from the context of growing grapes in Israel, um, but from the blessing that Jacob spoke over his son Joseph in Genesis 49. So I'm going to invite you, encourage you to listen to these words as you consider what it means today to remain in Christ and the blessing that comes to those who remain. This is from Genesis 39, excuse me, 49. Joseph is a faithful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb all over the wall. With bitterness, archers attacked him. They shot at him with hostility, but his bow remained steady. His strong arms stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, because of the rock of Israel, because of your father's God who helps you, because of the almighty who blesses you with blessings of the skies above and blessings of the deep springs below and blessings of the breast and womb. Your father's blessings are greater than the blessings of the ancient mountains, than the bounty of the age old hills. Let all these rest on the head of Joseph on the brow of the prince among his brothers. Those who remain in Christ um, flourish in him. Our friend Nick Pitts is going to join us next. We're going to survey some of the headline news of the day. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, our friend Nick Pitts is back. You can find him at thebriefing.net. You can also find him at the Institute for Global Engagement. Good morning, Nick. Good morning. And you can also find me in Bowling Green, Kentucky this morning. So, so great to be with you here in the Bluegrass State. I love that. Hey, happy Father's Day. Was it awesome? Hey, uh, thank you. Thank you. It was it was a hoot, to say the least. Uh, My uh, my wife and uh, little Dottie were just so kind. And um, it was uh, it was a a fun day to remember with family and friends all gathered together. Yeah, I don't I don't really know what to recommend, um, but you should start doing something since this was your first Father's Day so that, you know, like 50 years from now on Father's Day, you can be like, hey, way back when I did this, you know, I took note of this. I noted this down. You know, there you go. Keep like some sort of like lifelong Father's Day journal. I don't know. Oh, yeah. So we've set up for Dottie a little email address. So I uh, I frequently will send her emails as like little journal entries as to what's happening and oh, what's happening that. in my day, what I'm thinking about, what happened at her day, et cetera. 
So it's oh, kind of, I, I wrote her a little, I wrote her a little note on Father's Day morning about celebrating the first Father's Day and how proud I am that I get to be her dad of all people. So. Oh, see, that's precious. Okay. Thanks for sharing that. Cause I feel like, you know, the baby book of old, I don't know if your parents made you a baby book, but because I was the second child, mine is not nearly as um, robustly full as the first child's <laughs> baby book. Like I do have <laughs> yeah. like that, like weird blue footprint in mine. Like, I don't know. Do they still do that? Do they still take a, like a footprint of your baby and put it? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, get, we did the footprint and the handprint thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. All right. So that's yeah, the so thing. It's, uh, and let's hope she's nothing like me or her mother, because when she sees all those emails, uh, <laughs> when eventually she comes of age, she will be exceedingly stressed out. So let's hope she's not <laughs> like us in that regard. <laughs> All right, let's talk about quirky aphorisms. That is the way that um, one writer has characterized the way that our current president tends to say things that um, are senseless or meaningless to other people. Um, So there's one writer that's just described them as quirky aphorisms um, and then, you know, accusing other people of weaponizing those. But here's the reality. Sometimes people say things that don't mean much to us either because we don't actually know what they're talking about um, or we're, we're just not listening with the kinds of ears that have been developed to, to hear that person. So can we talk a little, a little bit about um, what, what the president might have meant when he said, God save the queen? Um, Because first of all, we're not British and they don't have a queen anymore. They have a King. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then there's the reality that uh, our president is uh, of Irish background. And so Ireland does not always have the greatest relationship with the kingdom, (laughs) with the king and queen. Um, But yeah, it it kind of illuminates just the the pony soldier that President Biden mentioned a a few years back, uh, that we all have these this slang that we keep in the back of our head that we frequently use. Some are going to point to show mental decline towards the president. But the reality is we all have such slang and colloquialisms that we that we lean on because that shows our shared understanding. And it's just shorter way to communicate. Uh, like I, I even mentioned to Paul, all good in the hood uh, would mm. have been a phrase that was popularized in the 90s. And I'm sure hopefully I, hopefully I'm not saying it, but I, I know I who would have thought I would be saying it 20 plus years later when I first heard it. Um, uh, so there's just certain phrases that we use. Bless your heart might be one. Hug your neck uh, in the South. I need to hug your neck. Uh, let's I'm going want you come sit down and visit. Um, they're just phrases that often can be very unique if you're not from the re- that region of the country or if you're not part of the particular time period in which they originated. Yeah, there are people listening right now that will hear the term hot dish in many different ways. <laughs> I, you I know, Carmen, I, you have... I come from a place where a hot dish is a person, and um, I now serve in a place where a hot dish is like the casserole that you bring to share. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a completely and then different let's thing. Just, let's just <laughs> call out the biggest dividing line here in the country right now, and that you find yourself in the middle of. Uh, <laughs> you have some of your listeners will say pop and soda. While mm. other listeners will say Coke and mm-hmm. Coke will mean a vast that has a wide meaning down here mm-hmm. in the South. Whereas uh, in some parts of the country, Coke is in a shocking twist, Coca-Cola, where I would just disagree vehemently. I mean, yeah. 
So, um, all right. So what you could you could do this today with your friends, right? Have a conversation about, well, the terms that you use for something like what do you call that long sandwich that has cold cuts and lettuce and tomato and maybe some other vegetables on it? Like, what do you call that Uh, where you live? Is that a sub? Is it a grinder? Is it a hoagie? Um, Is it a po' boy? Like, what is that thing? Um, what do you call that? Um, so uh, it's an opportunity for us to engage in conversations about what we say and why we say what we say. And I think as Christians, it's also an opportunity for us to reflect on the things that we say that are frankly Christianese, that people um, oh, yeah. in the culture absolutely don't uh, don't understand. So an opportunity to think about those things today. All right, we're going to be back in just a moment. We're going to talk about some um, severe weather that's taken place across the country and pray for some particular individuals, both in Mississippi and in Texas. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're going to continue our conversation with our friend, Nick Pitts. The Bible is valuable, and reading and studying the Bible can transform your life. Hi, I'm Angela Smith, host of Reading the Bible Together podcast. Several times a year, we release a new Reading the Bible Together study. We've studied Luke, Daniel, Advent, Lent, and so many more. You can access all of our studies for free by going to the Reading the Bible Together resource page at myfaithradio.com. In addition to the studies, we also have the accompanying podcast. You can listen wherever you listen to podcasts. You can study on your own, or if your small group or Bible study is looking for what to study next, check out the Reading the Bible Together resource page at myfaithradio.com. All right. Um, thank you for your engagement on the text line this morning. You can text in at 877-933-2484. Um, Nick, apparently there was some spitting out of coffee when I made the hot dish comments. <laughs> 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 People have to go get redressed now. There you go. Um, so um, there have been some tornadoes across the um, southern states. We had... Um, uh, some across the panhandle of Florida, some really severe uh, tornadoes move across Mississippi um, and uh, 20 people injured there and one person lost their life. And then the, 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 the tornado in Perryton um, or Perryton, Texas, West Texas out in the panhandle, um, just really a horrendous path of destruction out there. Maybe just, you know, speak a word of encouragement this morning to you know, folks who are um, living in the path of destruction, and and yet, um, you know, we want to be good to our neighbors. Yeah, it's it's just absolutely tragic. And what we know to be true is yet again played out during these storms and during the tornadoes, specifically individuals that are uh, most often fraught with danger, and then are in the line of uh, that are most likely to be impacted by these storms or those that are a little bit older and also those that um, are in temporary or in uh, kind of uh, structures like trailer parks, et cetera. And so yet again, we're seeing that play out, especially here in Texas. And so um, not only do our hearts go out to them, but the research and then what we all always have known to be true has played out, especially here in Texas is the reality of what Rick Bragg says. He'd rather see one person with a hammer than 10 people with a clipboard. Of, uh, that what happens with these tragedies is that they often bring communities together. Um, that end of it, but this is what may, has made this country uh, 
is so very great. It's individuals helping out individuals and loving your neighbors. It's just the core of who we are, despite what you might see on TV, that when you see your neighbor in need, you come over with a hammer and a chainsaw and you're there to help um, in time of need. Or you bring the hot dish over, you bring the casserole that just has an ability to bring so much comfort in the midst of so much pain. And that's, that's playing out yet again in Texas and Florida. Um, and it's just, it can be very encouraging to know that not only has your God not left you, but your neighbors haven't either. And that, mm. um, that this will bring you all together. Yeah. So word of encouragement today um, to you and to yours, wherever you're listening. Um, if you have an opportunity to reach out to somebody in one of these storm affected areas, it, it occurs to me that, you know, it could be you haven't checked in on those friends um, who a couple of years ago were affected by the derecho across the upper Midwest. Maybe um, you haven't checked in recently on the friends who remember had to move their cattle into into the backs of trailers because there was like a freak blizzard and, um, you know, and, and the cows were like at risk of freezing to death. Like, remember all the kinds of things that we've dealt with um, in terms of what our neighbors have been uh, challenged by weather-wise just in the last couple of years. So maybe just reach out and say, hey, I was just reminded of this as I was considering the plight of these folks who live quite a distance from me. But um, but it, it brought you to mind. Like, that would be a great thing to do today. Just reach out to somebody and say, hey, this particular event actually brought you to mind, and I just wanted to check in on you and see how things are going. I know it's been a year or two since the storm, the flood, the earthquake, whatever it was that devastated, um, you know, your friend or your family members, and just reach out today and um, and reconnect with them. Um, oh, yeah. It, it, it's a reminder to be the friend that you want, um, right? To be the neighbor that you want. Totally. So, um, Nick, I, I read this quite disturbing story um, about this man who's been now charged with criminal harassment. He posted a selfie with a woman's dying father after she called him out on social media um, for some anti-drag comments that he made there. Um, I, I, this is this is so sad and, and just horrific. And um, and I, I think it's just was an opportunity to remind us that every life matters and every moment of life matters and the dignity of the other person should matter more to us than the um, mean political point we might score on social media against someone else. Oh yeah. This, this is a classic case of what a psychologist called the disinhibition effect and disinhibition. It just essentially says Dis- that we're more willing to. It's early. It's early, Nick. Disinhibition. <laughs> Disinhibition, yeah. Disinhibition. Okay. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of syllables there, which is shocking that a boy from Tennessee can pronounce. (laughs) Um, uh, So um, it just refers to the reality that we're more willing to do things online, and we're we're more willing to act bolder online than we are in actual person. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is just a reminder that uh, when Twitter wars get escalated, uh, they'll make us do certain things and post certain things that we wouldn't otherwise do to a person face to face. It's one of those checks that I always am mindful of. There's three people that run through my head that are on the very other end of the spectrum of what I'm referring to before I post online. So how is person A, person B and person C going to read this post that I'm about to put out? Am I, uh, to go back to our earlier conversation, am I avoiding the Christianese 
so that I'm speaking clearly enough um, that not only those who have ears to hear, but also those who don't have ears to hear can understand it. Am, am I being appropriate for person B and then person C, am I glorifying God in it? Um, and, and thankfully I think God has a sense of humor. So I, when I, my attempts to be funny um, also fall into that as well. And so just wanting to be mindful uh, of what I'm posting. And obviously this is just goes to the other end of the spectrum of just having no consideration whatsoever for their neighbor. Yeah. How do we help people not just develop a conscience, but how do we help people become conscientious? And I think that when we talk about our kids, that's a really good conversation to have, but it's possible we need to be having that conversation with our peers because they didn't learn it, um, you know, in, in the homes in which they were raised and developing that, that sense of concern for the other, thinking of others more highly than I think of myself and considering the needs of others you know, before, I mean, in this particular case, I mean, this is just such a gross, flagrant, uh, I don't even know, know what to, how, how, I don't even have yeah. words, but, um, but I think that, you know, to develop a conscientiousness, to develop a thoughtfulness and a care and a concern for others, like that's the character trait that we need to help develop. Oh yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's one of, there are many reasons why the church is so beautiful, but w- One big reason is that it brings together a multitude of people that you see face to face that come from a variety of different backgrounds, but are united in a common goal, which is to glorify God with their lives. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the that's one of the uh, absolute beautiful things about the church is it brings us together to help us see one another and to help to see who God made us. And it properly frames the world as such so that we might be considerate of others, regardless of their background, because we all bear the image of God. So good. So good. Hey, thanks, brother. Uh, again, happy Father's Day. Um, we, we love you. We appreciate our time together. Thanks for joining us. So great to be with you, Carmen. Happy, y'all have a great Tuesday. Everybody wants to know if you're going to the Corvette Museum while you're in Bowling Green. That's it. That's what the text of line is. Of course. Right. Of course. I'll be <laughs> Have a here great for day, three man. days. Got to get on a Have tour. a hoagie or a sub or, you know, <laughs> a hot dish, whatever. All right. That's Nick Pitts. You can find him today in Bowling Green, but at the Institute for Global Engagement or thebriefing.net. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Let's go upwards with Max Lucado. Today is World Refugee Day. I um, encourage you to consider the plight today of the refugee. Um, also, did you know that the Olympics are taking place right now mm-hmm. in Berlin? Did you know that? The Special Olympics World Games opening ceremony was held on Saturday. The first medals are already being awarded. Today's events at the Special Olympics World Games in Berlin include powerlifting, swimming, hockey, rhythmic gymnastics, volleyball, and athletics. Basketball apparently uh, joins the fray later in the week. The Special Olympics USA team has 133 athletes and unified partners, 38 coaches, and 23 delegation members. The athletes uh, will be and the unified partners will be participating in 14 of the 26 sports that are offered at the 2023 games. 
26 sports. That's that's a lot of sports. Anyway, I'm going to see the whole list. You can check it out at Special Olympics USA. ESPN's family of networks is actually broadcasting the entirety of the games. Uh, so that's kind of cool. And you can, um, you can, yeah, you can check it out. Special Olympics World Games um, is the website. And it's a wonderful opportunity for us to um, honor the reality that every person is precious. And these are families that have um, worked hard to help their young person you know, find something that they're passionate about and work, willing to work toward. And um, let me just tell you, if you haven't, if you haven't had an experience of joy of late, watch a portion of the Special Olympics because it just is. It's an experience of joy. So on this World Refugee Day, let's uh, let's acknowledge that there are more people displaced around the world than at any other time in human history, um, and let's do what we can to to help our neighbors who are displaced. And let's be celebrating with those families whose young people are competing this week at the Special Olympics World Games. Luke Moon is going to join us next from the Philos Project and Providence Magazine. We're going to take a look at what's happening around the world. Particularly, we're going to look at Israel. We're also going to focus in on U.S.-China relations. And, oh, yeah, um, what China is up to in Cuba, 100 miles off Florida's coast. China is uh, going to have troops. <laughs> Yeah, that's a little disturbing. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Luke Moon is joining us now. You can find him at philosproject.org, also at providencemag.com. Good morning, Luke. Good morning, Carmen. If people wanted to find you geographically today, where would they need to be? I'm actually sitting in front of the Hudson River because uh, nice. I, I have a meeting a little early today. So normally I do this call from my, my home, but today I have to get to the office fast. So it's, uh, it's actually beautiful. It's a beautiful view, beautiful day. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, let's talk about uh, Israel and what's going on. We've been, we've been hearing news that there are new settlements approved, um, obviously old disagreements in relationship to that. So, let me just remind us when we hear the term settlement and we hear, um, you know, uh, we hear West Bank or we hear help help us uh, remind us because we are not paying attention to this all the time. What's going on? What What's being talked about? Right. So an Israeli settlement is basically it, it's really like almost like imagine a, a subdivision in a in a neighborhood. You know, somebody comes in, says, I want to build 100 houses. You know, and they get approval and then they build 100 houses and, you know, it doesn't make international news. Well, in Israel, when someone builds 100 houses, it does make international news. And in this case, uh, there was an approval this weekend of of building 4000 new homes uh, in in what is considered the West Bank. Uh, and the what this creates is the challenge it creates is that there are those who think, you know, this is this is, uh, you know, the ancient Israel homeland, Judea and Samaria. And then there are those who see this as this is Palestine. This is Palestinian territory. This is the future Palestinian state. Uh, and so a lot of the disagreement happens to be over that. Uh, the challenge is that, you know, according to, you know, even international the 
law, the green line, which is the line that that was the armistice line in 1948 when the when Israel and the five armies of the Arabs decided to stop fighting each other for a minute and drew a line. It's called the green line. And the old city of Jerusalem is considered in by the UN in illegal uh, Israeli settlement, right? So it's it's a it actually matters a bit where these homes are going to be built. And of the four thousand, they're all being built on places that are already major Jewish towns. Um, and th- so you know, it's one of those things where it makes international news because it's about Israel, and Israel tends tends to make international news pretty easily. But it's really uh, just the expansion of something that already exists. It's already it, none of the boundaries of the settlements are expanding. It you know it's it's even a lot of the settlement construction that takes place is if you wanted to build a you know a deck on your on your house, Carmen, that would need the approval of the United States government uh, if, in Israel. So it's that's the kind of thing that. Uh, is a little, I don't know, when I read stories about, you know, the the settlements and it creates this international crisis, it, you know, I, I think it, it can be a bit overstated um, because it's, you know, it's a lot of what is going on is just, uh, you know, adding on to your house, uh, adding buildings on land that was already deemed to be part of the settlement uh, approved by you know, the United States already, that kind of stuff. Um, Israel's population has grown, obviously, dramatically over time. It continues to grow. Um, you and I both know a lot of people who have dual citizenship um, and who have homes both maybe here in the United States and in Israel or in Israel and in some other country. Uh, Mm -hmm. Israel is unique. Um, One of the things that I would like for you to remind us of is the neighborhood. So um, Israel, for those of you who haven't looked at a map recently, uh, Israel's neighbors include Egypt, Jordan, Lebanon, Syria, and the Palestinian territories of West Bank and the Gaza Strip. They have a maritime border with Cyprus. Um, But it's really small. Like, I, I don't, if you haven't been there, it's just like really hard to understand how physically geographically small the nation of Israel is. So, you know, like when you think about how far it is to a neighbor that doesn't like you, um, Luke, like how far is it from, you know, living in Israel to a neighbor that doesn't like you? Exactly. Well, it's, it's, it takes only two and a half hours to drive from, you know, the middle of the country to uh, either either end of the country north to south and then across the middle there's a point in which it's only nine miles wide which is nothing right like it's it's so it's it's you know people I mean, there's say people, there's people have farms that big like in the west like, <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, right. and, and the thing is also carmen is that is that you have you know israel is created to be a safe place for jews around the world you know like the the witness of what we saw in the holocaust and there, just as we see the rise of anti-Semitism around the world, I mean, take the the, the war in Ukraine. I mean, they were, the Jews of Ukraine had a place to go. They had a place mm-hmm. to go because they had because Israel exists, and and 
you know, the Jews of France, when, when the anti-Semitism spikes in France, I mean, the, some of the highest, uh, number of Jews emigrating to the United to, to Israel are coming from France because it's just it's very difficult to be Jewish in France right now because there's mm. a lot of anti-Semitism. And so what you know, one of the things that happens, though, is it means that you have to create places for people to live. Mm-hmm. And that is increasingly uh, a challenge because a lot of the parts of Israel that are, you know, called Israel proper, main Israel, uh, non-West Bank, non-Judea and Samaria, like those places are, you know, they're they're getting f- filled up, right? And so it, it there is a, it's not going to get any easier. I also think it's important, you know, Israel's that junction of of three continents, really. You know, uh, it's got this connection with the, you know, Africa through through Egypt and the Great Rift Valley. It also connects. Um, you know, Asia and Europe. And so it's really this kind of like, I think one of the reasons the world's so focused on Israel is because it really is that junction point of this, uh, of civilizations. And, um, you know, raises a lot of, I think, existential issues for people. And, you know, Israel is also, you know, unique in that, you know, as Christians, we see it as, as the, you know, place where God uh, showed up. And his people, uh, you know, came uh, back to that land and and prospered and then got kicked out. And, you know, Jesus comes and like all this, so much of the story of the West is connected with that land. And so I think it just creates uh, and there's there's an extra level of attention. But if that wasn't there, I think it would still be a very contentious place. Mm hmm. I'm going to remind us of Jeremiah 29, beginning at verse 5. Build houses and settle in the land. Plant gardens and eat the food you grow. Get married and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and let your daughters be married so that they may have sons and daughters. Have many children in Babylon. Don't become fewer in number. And do good things for the city where I sent you, even as captives. Pray to the Lord for the city where you're living. Because if good things happen in the city, good things will happen to you also. Um, just just a reminder that um, the people who we call uh, Israeli have been building houses in um, in all kinds of places for a really, really long period of time. And, um, and in all of those places and over all of those generations, God has kept his covenant um, with them. And so we want to continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and we want to continue to pray for Israel, because as Luke has uh, so deftly pointed out, you know, it is the place where God not only showed up in the past, but where God promises he intends to show up uh, on a continual basis and to ultimately show up um, in in what we will describe as the end of time, Um, these being the end times in which we now live. Hey, let's take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to pivot our attention. But I, I raised the issue of the neighborhood and how small the nation of Israel is so that you could be thinking about Um, You know, what does it look like to have a neighbor that's very close by that maybe is hostile toward you? Um, Cuba, not that far from the coastline of the United States. But what would it look like for China and the Chinese military to be based in Cuba? How would you feel about that? How do you think China feels about U.S. troops in South Korea and Japan and the Philippines? Mm -hmm. Those conversations are connected and we're going to have them next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians, 
reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up. They come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized, and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. All right, we're continuing our conversation with Luke Moon. Um, Thank you for your uh, comments and commentary on the text line. You can text me at 877-933-2484. And to the person who said, I've never used the term casserole. I've always called it a hot dish. Um, I'm letting you know right now, there are some people who call what you call a hot dish and what I call a casserole. They just call it all pie, which is ridiculous because pie actually means something. But there you go. I digress. (laughs) <clears throat> Luke, it's Taste and See Tuesday, and so you know okay. we have had some conversations okay. this morning. I know. I've I've never um, I've never known hot dish as casserole. It's a, that's a new one okay. to me. Excellent. Well, I got a friend here on the line from Wisconsin who says I've never used the term casserole in my life. There you wow. go. I yeah. don't even. Well, yeah. it's, it's a north. The hot dish is a northern thing. After all, saying, well, I, know, I know, Luke. I already told them. I already told them that in the south, a hot dish is a person. <laughs> Like, like, I've already, like, blown their minds today. I know. I know. They're okay. like, what? Oh! Okay. Yeah. So, okay. China. <clears throat> Here, I'm reading in the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal reporting yeah. this morning. China and Cuba negotiating to establish a new joint military training facility on the island of Cuba. Sparking alarm in Washington could lead to the sanctioning of Chinese troops and other security and intelligence operations just 100 miles off the Florida coastline. Okay, so this conversation comes on, you know, or news of this comes on the heels of uh, uh, the U.S., um, you know, sending Antony Blinken over there to have a conversation to, like, stabilize this tense relationship we have with China. So I'm thinking that that whole meeting maybe didn't produce all that we had hoped. (laughs) Right. Well, the meeting was, it's always good when high-level leaders talk to each other because, you know, it's it's always good to have people talking uh the goal was on the american side was actually to establish uh military high level military you know communication and the goal of that was you know something happens you know a ship runs into a ship like you know almost happened in in the straits of taiwan uh, a few weeks ago you know the military you know generals can call each other and say hey guys the you know oops that was an accident uh you know let's not take it any further but the chinese didn't agree to that 
So that was that was the biggest request that we had, and one would think the you know one of the easier ones, but it was it was not uh, you know it was not affirmed, and so there was you know obviously this um, the the you know agreement to stabilize relationships, but if you're not going to talk to each other, you know have your generals talk to each other, you know stability is. You know, it's it's good. It's good talking points uh, on this issue of of you know the U- Chinese uh, military in Cuba. I mean, they they have had um, you know spy uh, a spy system, a spy base, I guess, uh, in Cuba for a little while uh, since 2019, according to some reports, both CNN and uh, Wall Street Journal both uh, said that that's you know I. N- uh, reported that that's been the case. Uh, the U.S. is saying that's not been the case, uh, but nonetheless, it's you know it's not at all a surprise. I mean, the, the during the Soviet Union, China or Cuba was a you know a mainstay for uh, you know there was a strong relationship between the Soviet Union and Cuba. I think anybody who's read American history knows that. And so just as China is, is now one of those great superpowers, they're going to put, uh, you know, bases around us, too, mm. because that's what superpowers do. You know, yeah, you try and, and know what your other people are doing and you try, you know, there's the great containment policy, which was what kind of helped end the Soviet Union um, by trying to contain its growth. Uh, that kind of strategy is, you know, one that anybody who reads history again will know and is how you kind of, uh, you know, pr- protect your assets and try and grow your superpowerness and all that. Uh, yeah. For those of you wondering, um, the United States has 750 overseas military bases, um, 80 of them in uh, what would be determined uh, or described as close proximity to China. So there you go. <clears throat> we we have bases close to them. And so they're probably saying, you know, this is just no big deal. You guys, but, but it's a big deal to us because, you know, it's just Cuba's really close. Um, I would like for you to tell us the story of um, Jeff Woodkey. Yeah, Jeff Woodkey uh, was... It's this great article in AP about his. Uh, he was a he was a hostage in somewhere on the border between Niger and Mali for six years, and he was a he was a missionary in Niger. Uh, and as the Islamist movement began to grow in his area, he took precautions. Uh, but he was, you know, he was being a faithful missionary, aid worker, helping people out, you know, medical care, all kinds of stuff like that. And um, and he was taken hostage. His two guards were killed uh, and he was taken hostage on October 14th, 2016. And he was just released in March and he was released with a French journalist and this is a story, I think, in part because, you know, there are hostages that get, you know, people who get taken hostage and the families are not wealthy or they don't have political power or they don't have this, you know, the, the access. And 
it's actually illegal for them to raise money for the ransom to pay the ransom and you you know it's very relying on the fbi to negotiate and the story of jeff wookie is wookie is that the the fbi was not very in in good communication with them they didn't allow they there was no uh way that they could that that miss woodkey could raise money uh the three million dollars was the ransom initially uh they were asking for it it actually doubled at one point to six million um and nobody everybody was worried about giving because it's actually still illegal uh under u.s law to to raise money and pay a ransom internationally and so it, it's just one of those stories of of you know the challenge of you know what do you do when you, you know your you, missionaries are are prime targets of hostages and you know uh, you know Carmen I think you know we were working together to try and get the f- freedom of um, the guy who is uh, a prisoner in Turkey yeah, for a Brunson. while. Mm-hmm. And Brunson, uh, I have another friend who was imprisoned in Iran um, mm. as a missionary, and he was imprisoned there for over a year. And it, it, you know, these the people who go through that, um, the, they it changes them, and not always in a in in a in, like I don't want to say it in, a, in a good way, but it 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 they become much more sober minded people I've seen, you know, you look at them before and you look at them after. And, and that kind of experience is, is very hard. And I think, you know, a lot of us, you know, when, when we read the Bible and we hear the stories of persecuted Christians and, and uh, people who are, who are held uh, prisoner for their faith uh, we can we can say, oh, I would be I would be faithful. I would be I would hold the line. And the amazing thing is, throughout those six years, you know, he was told every day, we can t- we'll take off your chains if you convert. And every day he said no. And you know, he said he was chained to a tree for years, years, mm-hmm. and. That's he said. There's no experience like being chained to a tree in a lightning storm. <laughs> like it was, it, and and it's a very, but it's very sobering. I think to think about. You know, obviously, there's the international kind of law play in this, but you know, the people who who are are held for their faith. I think it's important for us to remember those who are being persecuted who are held captives uh that they that you know on this day in this moment that god will touch them and remind them that he is never going to leave them or forsake them and i think it matters amen Thank you so much um, for those um, for those words and that reminder today, Luke. That's Luke Moon. You can find him at the Philos Project. You can also find him at Providence Mag. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, for those of you asking, yeah, you can check out um, jamesfoleyfoundation.org for a list of Americans currently held hostage um, or detained abroad gives you a good starting place for a list of people to pray for. 
Um, you can also check in with missionary organizations that you're familiar with because um, oftentimes those people's names are not publicly shared. Let's be praying today um, for our neighbors close by and our neighbors around the world, our brothers and sisters in Christ. We've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.